0: Hello, my name is Chris.
1: And my name is Jacob.
0: And you are listening to the Culinary Caucus.
1: The premier podcast at the intersection of food
0: and politics. (laughs) All right, folks. Tonight we have a guest. His name is Jace LinkedIn, folks. Everybody, clap your hands wildly. Throw your hands in the air. Put your hands up.
1: Wherever you're sitting. Wherever you're listening to it. Put your hands in the air like
0: you just don't care.
2: Especially if you're driving. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're driving. No, actually, we can't recommend that. That's... no 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 don't don't
0: do that don't do it put your hands back (laughs) on the wheel folks put your hands back on the wheel all right tonight we got jace linkedin how are you doing jace i'm doing well thanks for having me yeah 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 no problem no problem problem, man all right well we'll do our roundup first all right so my roundup story is trump president trump that is because he is president but some people may disagree with that hashtag not my president hashtag not their president president trump announced that the Capital of Israel is they're gonna uh, the United States is gonna recognize Jerusalem as a capital of Israel, and people were concerned about this because obviously a lot of people, namely in the Palestinian territory, would be upset with the declaration of Jerusalem as a capital because Jerusalem is a holy city that has sacred sites for all faiths, and the uh, Muslim people in Palestine would be upset. Is that the big issue, right? Yeah, I'm that's on, big issue. Uh, Yeah, that's what I that's what I heard. So obviously there have been already incidents in um, Israel so far, um, but you know that is kind of like the historic capital of Israel, so it's sort of a recognition of long term tradition. But we'll see what goes on with this with this issue, and uh, I think Benjamin Netanyahu is pleased, but. Yeah, We'll see what the further ramifications are, what this will mean for peace negotiations, and maybe we'll have an Israel expert some, on sometime to talk about it. I don't know any off the top of my head. Actually, I do know a couple, now that I think about it. But we'll have them on don't later. give it away. We won't give it away. It'll be, a surprise. It'll be a surprise. You'll be shocked if you wouldn't believe the Israel experts. Alright. Oh, <laughs> Alright, Jace, go ahead.
2: Oh, well, my story is about John Conyers Jr. He was the longest-serving member of Congress. Uh, he resigned This week, after several sexual misconduct allegations, including several settlements. Hmm. Um, And when he resigned, he endorsed his son to run for the seat that he's held since 1965. But it turns out that earlier this year, his son got in trouble for domestic abuse. (laughs) Uh, His girlfriend of two years uh, called the police after they had an altercation. Uh, Turns out he says he caught her cheating after going through her computer and then she said he threw a knife at her, but he says she cut herself. We'll see if he wins. Oh, wow.
0: That's a very convoluted situation. Very stressful and...
2: I think Michigan can do better. Dot com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jace. Yeah, we'll hope for uh, the best without race and that maybe someone else will come out who's of better character. I, I just think it's crazy what's been going on with all the allegations and not necessarily the allegations, but the fact that they're happening the fact that we have so many perverts.
1: Yeah. It's like a wildfire nation. that just took up and yeah. it's going out of control. And speaking of wildfires, um, I don't know if you've heard of the wildfires going on in California right now, but, um, thankfully not nearby. Um, some friends of Chris and mine, um, It's a little bit south of that, I believe. Um, In, I think in Venture is is one one area that's being affected by these wildfires. But it's huge, so it's obviously affecting um, a whole range of places. But uh, I'm just reading this article from BBC.com. They're saying that nearly 200,000 residents have now been evacuated. um, And some 5,000 firefighters have been battling four different brush fires that have destroyed hundreds of homes, uh, in the South of the state. So it's pretty crazy. My first, um, the first moment I even realized that this was happening was actually when I was watching a video posted by a YouTuber named, uh, William Osmond. Uh, he's this comedic YouTuber who does sort of just goofy, how to or like do it yourself videos that are completely nonsensical. Like, he made a, a toast buttering machine. It, it all, it always is just like completely like pointless and just funny. And he's just, he's just like a good natured guy, like fun to watch. Um, and he posts this video and it's the aftermath of his house having been burnt down. And no. I thought it was a joke because. I mean, he just posts all these funny videos and he's got a completely lighthearted tone about it. He's like, welcome to my crib. And he's like, walks in, it's oh. like completely destroyed. He's like sifting through all this stuff. And then he like, it was a really real moment. Like he just, he started breaking down. He's like, I thought I could hold it together better. But just like everything that I had is, was in here and it's, it's completely lost. He had been recently married. He and his wife had uh, gotten the studio apartment and oh, he said God. he had That's just horrible. gotten uh renter's insurance. But it wasn't even gonna cover half of the stuff. So they're oh, like, they're really like sunk, but they, they've got a a fundraising thing going for them and I think that's doing really well. Um so they're they're probably gonna get back on their feet, but I mean that's just one example of so many people that are losing their homes and Yeah. It's it's crazy. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, well,
2: that if they get that under control soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are the fires done already or well, so let me see, this article came out 22 minutes ago, so I'd say it's probably still going, yeah. It's crazy, yeah.
0: I remember when I was in California, uh, I went to this place called Knapp's Castle, and I was like, yo, we should do a bonfire yeah, yeah. and like have some music and stuff. And they're like, no, 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 no bonfires. <laughs> and I was like, man, because it's real there. Like, yeah. It's a very dry area, and, and you just the once a wildfire goes off, it's super hard to contain. Um, and obviously, it can lead to tragic situations. But um, yeah, that's that's really tough to hear that that's happening
2: there. Yeah, I've heard that Southern California has worse traffic than some third world countries. Do you think the fire made that better or worse? Oh, you tell no, made probably it worse. probably
1: in the short term worse because <laughs> there are probably huge areas you just can't drive to. But you know, afterwards, maybe a little better. That might be one.
0: Just drive drive One small silver silver, s- silver lining on the yeah, big
1: that's... dark smoke cloud. <laughs> But, yeah. Yeah,
0: gonna... uh, Alright, well, on that note, let's try some cookies! Yeah! Yay. Okay. So, <laughs> that was literally the worst transition ever. I'm sorry. It's okay. We'll
2: Sometimes be, we'll be a jarring transition this. is what keeps you on your toes. So. Well, the yeah. cookies were in an oven. <laughs> that's true. That's, oh, that's slightly
1: related. Okay.
2: does make it better. <laughs> Whatever.
1: It's good. It's fine. No fires were started in the making of these cookies. Um... So unfortunately, Jace will not be able to eat these cookies. You can't taste it, right? It's, That's it's right. That, it's, um,
2: okay.
0: it's so bad, man. He texted me last night. And he was like, "By the way, I don't want to throw a wrench in this, but I'm allergic to milk," and I didn't tell Jacob. So, I'm sorry. That was totally my bad. For the listeners,
2: I will say though, these cookies smell delicious. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, it's it's so it's it's tough because these cookies
1: are so close to being dairy free, because, so basically. Let me start from the beginning here. Uh, I I found this recipe on a Cooks Illustrated recipe as I've done for various other food items we've done in the past. Um, I'm a fan of Cooks Illustrated. They have an amazing um, research team. They do a lot of different uh, re- recipe developments in a lot of different areas, and um, they I think they're one of the best. And so they're setting out to create a better oatmeal cookie because according to their research the vast majority of home cooks who claim to have a family recipe for oatmeal cookies is actually the exact same one um, started by quaker oats and to be honest it's not that good of a recipe it's possible to come up with good cookies using the recipe but really the proportions just don't make sense for a chewy oatmeal cookie uh, it's a huge like high pro- proportion of butter to the other gre- ingredients, and it results in a texture that's similar to shortbread or something like that. And it's uh, really just kind of dry and cakey, not chewy at all. Uh, so, what Cooks Illustrated did was they um, they removed a lot of the butter and replaced it with oil. So, in this case, I used avocado oil because it's a really neutral oil; it doesn't overpower the. It taste sounds of the super
0: butter. millennial, by the <laughs> yeah. way.
1: yeah well i'm a millennial what can i say um but to preserve the the flavor of the butter because that's a a huge key ingredient the oats um i browned the butter which is something that i actually do for the oatmeal cookie recipe that i use at work uh it's really it's just a method of completely removing the the moisture from the butter and um sort of caramelizing the milk fat solids that remain and it really brings out this nutty flavor that's kind of caramely in a way Um, and then also i brought down the spices so that the flavor of the oats could come through Um, uh, brought down the baking soda so that the metallic flavor wouldn't come through and really all that's left is the natural flavor of the oats and of the butter Um, also as i have mentioned on other food items i like to do substitutions here and there Um, sometimes not by choice because I might run out of ingredients. In this case, I was a little bit short on oats, so what I did was I replaced a small portion of the oats with a little bit of granola. Um, And the granola has like coconut and different grains and things like that, so it really shouldn't taste too much different, but it's got a more interesting texture, like a little bit of crispiness here and there. But the overall texture should be, if it came out right, should be chewy. Uh, and then there's also raisins in there to reinforce the chewiness. So, want to try it, Chris? Yee!
2: Let's do it. Sorry, Jace. You can no, smell Enjoy. I'm smelling away.
1: <laughs> you can live vicariously through Sniff harder. <laughs> <laughs> mm. What do you think? He's speechless. It's good.
0: I'm <laughs> trying to taste the avocado.
1: No, you can't. See, that's the point. That's the reason why I use it, is that avocado yeah, yeah, is yeah, an yeah, oil yeah. versus
0: something like olive yeah. oil or coconut oil. You no, just you can't taste it. You said that. I, yeah. wish, I wish I could taste it a <laughs> little bit,
1: though. <laughs>
2: really? <laughs> it's in there. Where do they sell avocado oil? It's good.
1: Oil. Um, you know what? I'm not actually sure where this oil came from. Um be honest my mother bought it so hmm. yeah <laughs> N- not exactly sure where this came from but i, I bet you could get it traded joe's whole foods you know any kind of i'm sure
0: if you milk the avocados uppity. right yeah
1: <laughs> that's if you want avocado milk oh yeah an essential
0: an essential milk feels <laughs> great with cereal all right great cookies jacob thank sorry, you sorry jace Thank you. Oh,
1: and as always, (laughs) these are uh, gluten-free.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. And uh, one little tip I want to share that I sometimes forget to do on cookies and things like that is actually resting the dough. So I made this in advance and uh, rested it for about an hour. Mm -hmm. And that allows the dough to really um, come together. Like it, it, It sort of allows it to replicate what gluten normally does in dough, which is to hold everything together. Uh, there's a little bit of xanthan gum in it, which is uh, a bacterial byproduct, which is totally safe for cooking, and it replicates what gluten does. Um, so, allowing it to rest really kind of blooms it in a way.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jacob, as always, for this fantastic food item, this Welcome. cookie. And you know, you talked about resting dough. Well, I think I could rest my dough on the proposition that our next guest is going to be awesome. He's already been great. It's the same guy before by the way. <laughs> All I was right, going to J- say, am I, am I on my way
2: out?
0: <laughs> no, I was, I was referring to you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. No problem. I'll say it again. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's just go right into it, Jace. Um, okay. So what's your expertise? I don't think we mentioned this at the beginning.
2: We did not mention that. Um, I guess where I come from, it's really pretentious to even pretend to have an expertise. But In Texas? It might be worse. Yes, I am from Texas, but I met Hillsdale. Mm. Um, well, that might be pretentious <laughs> to mention, but then...
0: Yeah, <laughs> dude, you're super...
2: Like, wild. Well, okay, I'm so sure where I come from... We read people like Socrates and George Washington. Ugh. Not that they're the same. <laughs> sure.
0: But Although, expert- what
2: I've learned from—sorry to step no, on you—what I've ahead. learned from them is that I don't know anything. Hmm. So it's weird to say I would have an expertise.
1: Although I'd say in this case expertise is relative, and in this room you're the expert
0: on certain, like, like if we were say a normal sample size. <laughs> Um, of the American population and we were to have a knowledge quiz you would be okay. much more likely to American know about. American
2: politics.
0: That's what you know about? Yes. That's your expertise? Mm-hmm. I, but don't you have like a subset within that?
2: Subset. I know about the Constitution Okay. Okay. And American mm-hmm. law and immigration. Immigration! Yes. That's what we were trying to get at, Jace! I know.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, you're trying to make it <laughs> tough on I'm avoiding it. <laughs> It's because you're not an immigrant, and you feel uncomfortable talking about it.
2: And because I should be writing my dissertation about immigration, and I'm not. Mm, I mean, yeah. I am. I'm not done
0: with it. So you should be writing right now, but you're sending, spending the time on a podcast. Can I have some more cookie? To be honest, oh, sure. if I wasn't
2: here, <laughs> I wouldn't be writing it either, but this is a convenient excuse. Yeah, ah, no.
0: I So maybe you can, like, brainstorm a little bit. I yeah. mean, and we'll draw a double dip as much as possible. Like, maybe you can take this time to, like, think about what you're going to write next. Cool. Like, That'll work. Um, but yeah, so like immigration. What do you? What, do you, what, what is your thesis
2: on? So I don't want to be controversial on the Not My President podcast, but I like to say about President Trump that he says a lot of things that might annoy me or annoy a lot of people, but most of what he does, I can't really complain about. So, as far as immigration goes, there were big numbers that came out this week, and it said that border arrests are down, but interior deportation proceedings are way up. So Mm -hmm. it seems like Trump has kept his election promise and he's enforcing the law, because Congress hasn't changed anything. It just seems that they're looking around and seeing what the government should have been doing all along.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So I support that
0: hmm, there's a lot there. Okay. Um. The first thing that I can think of is concerning... <clears throat> I mean, there's really an emotional appeal to the fact that there are people being deported who have lived here for a long time.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's difficult to justify that on a moral basis because, of course, they did break the law. But is that law really just, you know, I mean, there are questions like that, right, especially when you see the fact that they have families here and things like that, families being torn apart. How yeah. do you address that?
2: I think it's unjust to let people get into a situation like that, so I don't, I would certainly not blame the illegal immigrant who's been here for 30 years for establishing a family, but... It was definitely the government's failing to enforce the law back when they came that mm. set up this problem. Yeah. So I, I praise President Trump for not allowing that to continue, I guess.
0: Because I guess that situation won't become a thing any longer.
2: Right, it'll only keep perpetuating if we continue not enforcing the law. Mm. But
0: isn't the solution to... <clears throat> I mean, couldn't there be a, some sort of compromise in which we allow this current people... To continue to be here, the people who are currently in that sort of situation, and maybe um, prevent that situation from occurring in the future.
2: Yeah, there will have to be, but part of the problem is you have to make sure that the world takes you seriously, that you're going to enforce the law, or you get what happened a couple summers ago where a bunch of people in Central Mm -hmm. America load up children onto a train and send them to the border Mm -hmm. in hopes that once the children are in, because who's going to turn away children, they're going to be able to come too and once we show them that that's not going to be a thing that's tolerated and we actually enforce the law then we can have an immigration policy that deals with the people that are already here and sets us up for an actually feasible policy that gives the best for our nation and the best for the people that want to come here.
0: Okay. So what's your ideal immigration policy?
2: Uh, Ideally everyone who wanted to come here and be an American and work hard and raise a family and be civic minded would be able to come here. Um,
0: it sounds pretty generous. It
2: sounds pretty generous but if you listen to what I said there's not very many people that would meet that definition so I would be kicked off this podcast as a racist if I said that anywhere else. Should we kick you off? So I mean you might. I'm giving you that <laughs> warning. It's, it's fair. Okay but but isn't, is it racist? I don't think so, but You if say you don't buy, think so, but is it there is or it isn't? Although right? that's I something
1: mean, that transcends racial borders. I mean, that's I think it's it true for humanity. That, yeah.
2: Anybody know. can come and be an American because I believe to be an American is to believe the ideas in the Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal and have rights from God. If you want to come here and believe that and work hard and take care of yourself and your family, I'm all for it. Hmm. But not very many people want to anymore.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, continue to describe your ideal immigration policy a little bit more okay. into the nitty gritty. So, nitty-gritty. what does it mean? So, when you say to be an American, right, what does that mm-hmm. necessarily entail? Does that, like, how do we evaluate whether someone is an American when they arrive here? Like, obviously, like, I'm the child of immigrants and they came here. And when they, you know, stepped off the whatever <laughs> they came to get on here, we'd uh, <laughs> be in a boat, a plane, a Hovercraft? A hovercraft, a scooter, yeah, <laughs> a scooter. <laughs> and the moment they stepped off, they weren't, you know, physically any different than they were when they were sure. than where they were they were before. So what 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 do you mean by so? How, how does one evaluate that?
2: I think, right now, the federal government tries to, uh, <laughs> tries to facilitate that transition from uh, whatever country the immigrant comes from, and they go through naturalization classes before they're granted citizenship, and they have to pass a test that most Americans can't pass. So that's an interesting question. So,
0: too. yeah, that's, a, that's interesting, because this test, from what I've you know, heard, it does have questions that, like, like, I've heard some of the questions, I'm like, I don't know that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know
2: that. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I've the, never, the last statistic I saw was over 75% of Americans can't name more than one Supreme Court justice. Hmm. So it doesn't shock me. But at the same time, while one of the fundamental rights of anybody because they're human is to leave a country, no one has a right to go into a different country. So the country that they want to move to has to accept them.
0: Okay. Right. So we put a higher standard on people wanting to come here? Yes. As we we should. As we should. We should. Yeah.
2: Because the federal government exists to protect the rights of Americans, not the world. Okay so while we should be charitable towards the world, they have no right to come here, and we should treat them fairly, but that doesn't mean let them in with no uh, standard
1: but then there are those who say, based on an emotional standpoint that uh you know in a country that's dealing with humanitarian issues where people are basically being forced to leave um, yeah. then those people have no right to any place really and who are we to turn them away when we're all humans, we're all...
2: Sure. You know, So we have special laws to deal with that. So uh-huh. most recently I think we had laws about Cubans. So any Cuban that could flee that communist dictatorship and land in Florida was able to stay. And I think in certain humanitarian crises like that, where it's a very specific small population that's not going to expand into all of South America that's a reasonable policy that's manageable gotcha um hmm. clearly when you have a situation like syria where you don't know if those who are coming over are people that would be killed by terrorists or are themselves terrorists it's a harder question right but if you've got haitians who just survived a horrible earthquake and they're in were destitute before the disaster yeah of course america is a generous country and they are plenty of private individuals who are willing to help people like that. Mm.
0: So it's a thorny issue. Very thorny, yes. There's no black and white answer necessarily.
2: Not necessarily, but I think if you think in the broad categories of immigration policy should benefit the American people, you're going to come to certain policy conclusions that aren't necessarily as wide open as it might seem. All
0: right. So, let's let's come at it from a libertarian perspective. Okay. Um, and I'm not a libertarian, per se. Um,
2: I self-identify as a small l libertarian, so that's okay. <laughs> oh, you do? I do.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, well, I'm not. Um, let's, that's a conversation for another day. Um, but the, the basic premise I've heard is that, so let's say you take an open-border situation, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good thing.
2: That's what they say. Yes. Is it? <laughs> so the the most, uh, what is this, the grossest way I've ever heard that put is if you take a Haitian factory worker, he's very inefficient because when he's in Haiti, he only makes a dollar a day for whatever labor he has. But if you transport that Haitian to a factory in Texas, his productivity is 18 times higher. He's making, obviously, our minimum wage is more than $18 a day, but... For the it's sake more of this le- less, right? It's higher, yeah. Because it's seven ninety, yeah. Because it's like seven. Oh, a day. Something an oh, yeah. You're right. Hour, you're yeah, right, yeah, you're, right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm so he puts in a full day's and work. No. Yeah. <laughs> so the Haitian is way better being in Texas, mm. automatically, and we can raise the world's GDP by trillions of dollars overnight if we just transport all of the poor people to America, where they can be more productive with their labor. And what the libertarian economist doesn't realize is that people are not numbers on a spreadsheet and they bring in all kinds of other things with them that contribute to why productivity would be different in one country versus another.
0: Okay. So prove to me some more that you take, you've take you taken this issue of open borders seriously.
2: <laughs> well, uh, not... when I came to D.C. as uh, Worker at Hillsdale College's Kirby Center, which you should check out if you're ever in the area I went to lots of Cato Institute talks and Alex Narasta is a very famous open borders proponent And I've read a lot of his stuff saying like you're much more likely to be struck by lightning multiple times than Be killed by a terrorist immigrant Mm -hmm. Um, But even though statistically It's less likely if you look at a lot of the major terrorist attacks we've had over the past 20 years most of them have been committed by immigrants. Terrorist attacks. Yeah. So you have your Las Vegas shooting, which clearly is horrible and the worst mass shooting in history. That was some white dude. But you think about the Boston bombing. You think about 9-11. You think about the shooting in Garland, Texas, when they were going to draw Muhammad. And several other incidents. And it's recent immigrants.
0: Hmm. So this is interesting because...
2: I'm I'm wondering how significant
0: it is, like, your definition of terrorist attacks, and whether it really. So so, I'm thinking from like a pro gun perspective for a moment, right? Like people talk about mass shootings, mm-hmm. and like obviously those are horrific, tragic events, um, but statistically they happen like very few times. Sure. Um, and like, is it really? It does it really happen at a level that we can signif- like evaluate these things significantly that makes sense
2: yeah clearly there are way more immigrants that don't commit these crimes than Mm -hmm. that do Mm -hmm. it's just weird that when you look at the people who do commit these crimes a lot of them are immigrants
0: okay so this so this should inform policy in the sense that we should have better screening
2: yes definitely and so all of that to say I don't think the Supreme Court is evil for saying that Trump's travel ban is okay
0: so you support his travel ban I think so you think so? I think so. <laughs> It
2: depends. So with all of this legal wrangling, we haven't really seen what it means. There's been no real enforcement that I know about, except some people having to answer more questions when they apply for visas and whatnot. Hmm. It hasn't been around for long enough for me to really to know. Hmm. I know, so, and this goes back to what I was saying about Trump saying things that are annoying and doing things that I might like. During the campaign, when he's talking about keeping all Muslims out, that's a bad idea. But if you're going to look at people who are attending radical mosques or talking about harming Americans and you want to keep them out, I'm all for that, and I think everybody would be. And so when he puts these countries on a list of countries where he wants more scrutiny placed on people before they come here, it shouldn't be because they're majority Muslim. It should be because a lot of people that come from those countries want to do us harm.
0: Right, but the the question is then, um, if statistically... The benefit of saving these I'm um, not saving I mean we don't know how many we're saving right like like if there are Syrian immigrants or if they're Syrian refugees for example they're coming from totally destitute locations um, they've been driven from their homes and the benefit they would have as opposed to the the chance that there could be an attack right like the, which is very small mm-hmm. I mean we, we know that it's very very small there could be that attack um, you know it, it, it's a matter of on one hand there's the sort of humanitarian concern but then on the other hand there's the safety concern and so given that the statistics are weighed one way why would we um why would the why would the safety concern outweigh the humanitarian concern
2: well if we want to talk about humanitarianism i think the end result for all displaced refugees would be eventually to go back home I mean, I love America. I I was born here. I want to stay here. I think it's the best country in the world. I think other people in other countries love their homes too. And America is very different from Syria, even on Syria's best day. And so I would hope that we would be able to get Syrians to safe countries more approximate to their home country. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily that Jordan and Lebanon and Saudi Arabia would be able to take all of those refugees but that we would be able to work it out among all the nations of the world and get these people back home as soon as possible. Hmm. It shouldn't be a necessarily that's, America should take yeah. them forever idea because I don't think that's, that's what people want.
0: Yeah, the, I actually read a uh, an article in Huffington Post International, um, which actually is surprisingly less leftist than the HuffPo, um, but there was one um, expert on this on this issue, and he was decrying the fact that so many of these surrounding nations weren't taking in any refugees compared to the United States, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting point that kind of ties into what you're saying. Do um, you have anything to say?
1: Uh, I'm
2: soaking it in. I'm learning.
0: I thought <laughs> oh, gotcha. I thought you were going to say something. No. Yeah. So so what is your uh, your thesis that you're writing? What is that on?
2: So I'm looking at the progressive era because for most of American history, uh, immigration policy was handled by the states. And the policy was really close to what I would like. And going back to what you were saying about taking libertarians seriously, a lot of what they like to say is that America had open borders until the 1900s. And that's not true. It's just that the federal government saw that as a state issue. And so all the states controlled who came in and why. And most of that was done at the ports because everybody was coming over by ship. So you have to look at the laws in Pennsylvania and Massachusetts and New York to really see how people treated immigration back then.
0: There wasn't a massive influx of people from Central America? No. No. Yeah. Why why was that? Why is that not the case?
2: Uh well, probably <laughs> what population. I was talking about, yeah, less population, but people love their own. So the native tribes down in South America probably wanted to stay, native tribesmen and didn't have any interest in coming to America hmm. until huh. colonization later.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I I think I can kind of can kind of relate to that in the sense that like I suppose if I did move to like another city myself, maybe I can make like more money, but I would like it here. Like I have people here. Yeah, you still
1: have, I have the family. emotional ties and everything to where you are. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So, and so I've been looking at that and a lot of the early laws were, Hey, if you're, if you foreign country are just exporting your poor and sick people, we're going to tax you because we don't want to have to pay for them if they're not going to be able to work and pay for themselves. And so they would tax ship captains and make them take a census of all the people on their ship so that huh. they could hold them accountable if they had to be put into the poorhouse when they came over here. So there's no welfare state.
1: Oh, wow. So it's like a little extra step of screening, sort mm-hmm.
2: of. So you're doing historical
0: research, like reading original documents yep. and, like, primary sources, things like that?
2: Yep, going through all those laws, going through debates, and then... Like at the local level? You at know. the local and state level. Wow. And that then, um looking at why the progressives started making that a racial thing because it used to be just a quality of your character no matter where you were from and then around the turn of the century they started looking at race and i right. think that's weird yeah
1: that is a why. really odd thing i think we gotta just take that for granted at this point for mm-hmm. a lot of
2: people i mean yeah. i for one <laughs> well go ahead sorry no go ahead
0: Oh yeah, I was just saying, when you say they, right, so the progressive, so this the progressive. Is like,
2: So the people who were in power in America from the 1890s
0: yeah, to so, the 1920s. So what's your answer so far? Is that what you're trying to figure out?
2: So, my answer is they were influenced a lot by German thinkers. Not, this is obviously pre-Hitler, but <laughs> eugenics really started in America in the universities, and that was just kind of the cultural milieu they were being educated in. They rejected a lot of the founding principles. They thought that the Constitution was based on uh, Isaac Newton, and that was outdated after we had Charles Darwin, and they were looking at evolution and biology. And so if biology could unlock so many things about the natural world, why not about people, too? And they started looking at people and thought that biology really was a significant factor, and that undermined that idea I referred to in the Declaration of All Men Being Created Equal. They started to question that. Mm. And there were writings even at the time, I can't remember who wrote this, but it was the white man's burden. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt said so it was the white man's burden to uplift the Philippines because they were benighted and they don't know how to rule themselves. Was Whereas a, Thomas was Jefferson said, everybody has the right to rule themselves because no man has the right to rule anyone else without his consent.
0: Those was Rudyard Kipling maybe both them. of them I mean, I mean I'm sure
2: many people maybe it was citing Kipling I don't know it
1: think. might have been a joint effort <laughs> a collaboration There's a
2: lot of is. colonial
0: stuff every other word I guess you can say that Teddy Roosevelt colluded with yes. the British <laughs> <laughs> with Rudyard Kipling
2: that's right
0: alright well <clears throat> Jay, best of luck on your thesis I know thanks I'm gonna acts... go get to it <laughs> yeah, you're, you're literally gonna go right after this that, one
2: well I might eat first dang yeah
0: it's a, a lot of work getting a PhD. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Culinary Caucus. Thank you for Jace to Jace Linton. Follow him at
2: Jace Linton.
0: Yeah, L I N G T O N. I like Arlington, but Jace. <laughs> but less pirating. Yeah. Uh, no oh, no R. No R. Yeah. All right, and from all of us here at the Culinary Caucus,
1: have a great
0: evening. I'm not gonna say it. Whatever.
1: All right. <laughs>